Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Washington, D.C. 
and I actually got a phone call, but it's the only phone call I've ever received as a reference. So you can put me as a reference on your applications or on your resumes because I don't get phone calls. This right here, what we are reading today, is nothing short of Paul's resume. This is a drop-dead resume. And what he's saying to us today is that the most important thing about your resume is actually your reference. The reason that I don't get a phone call is because I'm unimportant. <laughs> what they want to see is your education. What they want to see is your qualifications. What they want to see is your work history. What they want to see is your experience. This is what they want. And if they do, in fact, phone me as a reference, they just simply want to ask if those things are true. Is this really his education? Is this really his experience? Is this really his character? And I love this passage because I believe that Paul's saying the most important thing about your resume is one reference. My education, my experience, my achievements, my accomplishments, they don't matter. And I trade them in for one reference, to know Christ. To put that name on my resume is what I desire. A resume, or, or an application for that matter, is, is, um, is a list of your credentials. Uh, it's a list of your merits. It's a list of all the great things that you've done. Uh, your skills are listed on your resume. But what is the, the purpose of a resume or an application? The purpose, that was, that was like one of those questions, it's not a question. What is the purpose? Let me tell you what the purpose of a resume or an application is. Um, it's to get you inside something that you're on the outside of. It's an argument based on your merits. I should have this job, and this is why. I should be uh, uh, a part of the school, and this is why. You're arguing. You're contending. You're waving your red resume on the outside saying, let me in. I deserve to be in. This is why I deserve to be in. These are my credentials. What we're reading here is Paul's resume. <coughs> jobs don't let you in unless you have the credentials, correct? Other jobs don't let you in because you don't have the experience. Schools, they don't let you in unless you have the, the classes and the grades. But I don't think that it's... it's uh, I, don't, I think that this process of getting into certain things based on our merits, based on our achievements, based on our compliments, is just for the work, uh, is just for work or for school. I think it actually goes in, uh, it actually takes place inside of our friendships. That we actually, in some ways, are looking to put forth the best parts of who we are because people are, you know, um, 
you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but I feel like people are actually weighing whether they should let you into their life or not. If you're here and you're a part of the dating scene, this is going on. You know, many of the women here have formed lists, criteria, standards that you need to measure up to. And we're applying with our resume and our merits, contending to get in. I have a job. I love Jesus. I think sometimes this applies to us personally too. Where we actually let ourselves in or keep ourselves out based on the list of our merits. Paul starts this by saying, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I, 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 uh, you've probably read or heard this passage before. I was really praying this morning that you'd hear it again for the first time. This is a really raw passage from Paul. He's all over the place and he's worked up. <laughs> And he starts by saying, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Some of the things that I'm going to share with you this morning are, are just a reminder. But you need, to be a, you need to be reminded of these things. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not like anything else we've experienced. And not like anything that we're currently experiencing. This idea that you don't get in based on your merits. This idea that you don't achieve a relationship with God by performing. But the fact that Jesus has performed on our behalf and now we have a relationship with God as a result of it. Nothing else in your life works like this. And so we have to constantly be reminded of the truth of the gospel. We constantly have to be reminded that actually with God you belong to him before you become because in every other area of our lives, you have to become in order to belong. We constantly have to be reminded that in Christ, you actually have a position before you practice. Because in most areas of life, you practice in order to get a position. It's unlike anything else we experience. And so we constantly have to be reminded of it. Because we forget. We get focused on our resumes, right? first thing that he says to him, hey, it's no problem. I'll remind you guys of these things. Watch out for dogs. Men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. I love, or I read this this week and I thought, man, I've been told that I'm the light of the world. I've been told that I'm salt. I've been told that I'm a city on a hill. I, I, I didn't know that together as a church, we are the circumcision. You're a circumcision. <laughs> I thought, we joked last night about shirts that would say, Radiant Church, we are the circumcision. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
these uh, troublemakers that, that Paul's up against, these uh, evildoers, these dogs. And this is, this is strong, strong language that Paul's using. Uh, these, these were a group called the Judaizers. And uh, these guys believed, because what was happening is Gentiles were becoming Christians. And they believed that in order for a Gentile to become a Christian, they must first become a Jew. And circumcision was what God used to set the nation of Israel apart. Circumcision is what God used to distinguish the people of God. This is what marks the people of God. This is what sets them apart. This is how you will know. Circumcision distinguished them from all the other groups of people on the earth. And what Paul's saying right here is, right now we don't need to be marked by that any longer because we're marked by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God living in us is what sets us apart. The Holy Spirit in us is what marks us. We no longer need to first, uh, as a Gentile, wanting to become a Christian, we don't need to first become a Jew. This group was always a problem to Paul. He's really frustrated with this group. Everywhere he went to plant a church, they followed him. And as he brought the gospel, the good news, which is the cross plus nothing, a group came behind him and said, it's the cross plus circumcision. Every time he preached a message, they would come in and preach another gospel to them. Paul's totally furious with these guys. He's had it. The problem with these guys is that, uh, or, or really, I, I think the first thing that Paul's saying to us here is that, and this is strong language, but these religious guys are dogs. And this may be news to you this morning, but there's a difference between religion and Christianity. There's a difference between religion and following Jesus. And I, I believe that the big issue for Paul and what got him so frustrated is because religion is about what we do and the gospel is about what God has done. And what got Paul so frustrated is that religion never sees the sufficiency of Christ. It never sees Jesus Christ as sufficient. Religion never sees Jesus as enough for our salvation. This was Paul's message. This is the gospel. And these guys wanted to add to that. It wasn't just the Judaizers. There was another group that was saying, yeah, Jesus is cool, but, but what about Greek philosophy? If we add that to the mix, we, we're really, we really got something superior and so Paul was constantly warring with these people that wanted to add different things to the gospel message. I want to unpack really quickly for you, because um, I realize that this may be the first time that you've been told that Christianity is different than religion. And I want to unpack that for you really quickly, because this is what this is the point of what Paul's trying to say here in Philippians. And this is why he's so upset with this group that wants to add something to his message. 
Um, Paul himself had enough morality to stay out of trouble, but not enough to get into heaven. And Paul and Jesus have, have a real tough time with religious people. I don't know if you've noticed this before in Scripture, but, 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 but both these guys have a really tough time with religion because religion, religion is our attempt to appease and manipulate God. If I do this, then you do this. If I follow these rules, God, you do this. Religion is our attempt to appease or manipulate God. The gospel's not like that. There's differences. And Paul draws on these differences as he says, there's these two type of people inside this church. There's these religious people participating in a false worship, and there are followers of Jesus, and they are the true worshipers. They are the circumcision. They are the ones marked by the Holy Spirit. So he starts to say that there's differences there are those that boast in what they do, and there are those that boast in Christ. There's a difference between religious people and Jesus' people. There's a difference between the re religion and the gospel. The reason that we love God and serve Him is not so that He will be good to us. It's because He has been good to us. One of the big differences is that uh, within religion, it's our attempt to appease and manipulate God, twist His arm through our good works. The gospel is very different than that because the gospel shares that God can't be manipulated because He's the committed initiator of relationship with us. The gospel is about a God who's satisfied can't be manipulated because he's the committed initiator of relationship. Religion always wants to put religion always wants to put you first. It starts with you. It ends with you. Religion puts you first. The gospel puts Jesus first. I'll give you some examples of this. Religion says if you obey, then God will love you. Religions say, if you obey, then God will love you. And the gospel says, because God loves you, you can now obey. He's the committed initiator of relationship with us. It's not, if you are good, God will love you. That's religion. If you are good, God will love you. The gospel is that you're bad. God loves you. Doesn't that make you want to be good? Doesn't that change your heart, your mind, your emotions? The gospel tells us that while we were still sinners, before you did anything, before you attended church here at Radiant, Christ died for you. He's the committed initiator of relationship. It's not if you obey, God will love you. It's that Jesus was obedient and he loves us. It's not, if I perform, then I will be accepted by God. It's that Jesus has performed on our behalf, and now we're accepted. Religion is all about what I do. Religion is all about, I don't drink, I don't smoke. When my dog poops, I clean up after it. <laughs> I wear toms, I recycle, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's, it's about what you do. 
of the good news of Jesus Christ is that it's about what Jesus has done. It's not about what we do, it's about what he's done. It's not about our works, it's about him. His sinless life, his sacrifice, his obedience, his death, his resurrection. The weird thing about religion, and you've probably noticed this in people, it ends in one of two things, either pride or despair. Because either you measured up and you did it, and you're proud, which is where Paul is at, or you can't measure up, you miss it, and it ends in despair. It's one or the other. A religious person is in one of two camps. They're either proud and self-righteous, or they're in despair, because they can't quite do it. This is a really... uh, So, does that... I won't even ask. I want you to pick up, again, I'll say it again, this passage is really raw. Um, he's really frustrated. And, and, and Paul, Paul's a scholar. He's really educated. He's brilliant. And I know one thing about scholars, and that is that they're very cautious. They avoid overstatements. Everything that a scholar says has footnotes. If you don't believe me, you can borrow some of these commentaries I read. I mean, I'm like four pages in, and I'm like, get to the point. But he keeps qualifying and setting it up. Now, that's not to say this, and it's not to say this, and it's not to say this. But what I'm trying to say is this. Everything is footnoted. Everything is qualified. They're very cautious. Educated people avoid overstatements. That's dumb. You know, they avoided those things. Paul's a scholar. Paul's a scholar. Listen to what he says. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic, as for legalistic righteous, righteousness faultless. Do I, is that why I'm reading that right? Is that what your bulletin says? But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them ru- rubbish. Um... This is a sand that you know these the people who translated this sanitized this. This is excrement. What Paul's saying is like crap. All these things. You know my degrees from Harvard? You know these awards, you know these achievements? Crap. Consider uh, compared to knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. What would cause a, what would cause a scholar to make these types of statements? None of the commentaries I have read like this. This is bold. This is not cautious speech from Paul. He's worked up. You can hear the angst in his voice. You can hear the longing. You can hear the frustration. He says that something happened. There was a surpassing greatness He saw something that caused him to get rid of his resume. It wasn't just that he got rid of his resume. 
It's that he found something superior to that, a surpassing greatness. In Greek, this word, this surpassing greatness word means actually the super thing. Paul found the super thing. He didn't just let go of these things that he had worked so hard to achieve. He saw the super thing. And all of a sudden, it didn't measure up. All of a sudden, the things that used to control and dictate his life no longer controlled him. When the sun comes up, the glorious stars can't be seen anymore. The things that so brightly shine in our eyes. I don't know what the stars are that you've been told to reach for. Uh, but the money, the influence, the fame, the achievements that you've told You've been told to reach for. What Paul's saying is when the sun comes up, you can't see those stars anymore. I have found something of surpassing greatness. And it's here, he says, that the thing that he traded his resume in for was to be found in him. He counts all these things rubbish, excrement, garbage. I don't know what your translation says. But he counts all these incredible things on his resume. Crap compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. There's a payoff for Paul. Everything that we do as human beings, we do because there's a payoff for us. There's payoff for Paul. There's things that he's getting. There's something that he wants more than his resume. And there's a few things that I want to talk to you about. The first is being found in him. He's let go of his achievements, his merits, his resume. He's let go of really, in a lot of ways, his works righteousness. And he's traded it in for a righteousness that's based on faith in Jesus Christ. And... I love if it's like Paul said, hey, if you think you're going to be based on a resume, nobody's resume is better than my resume, and it's not working. And I'm getting rid of my resume because what I need is a reference. What I need is to know Jesus Christ. If works, if works righteousness, righteousness, right standing, right relationship with God is based on what we do, then I would have had that. <laughs> I've worked hard for it. I would have had it, and I don't got it. I've traded the resume in to be found in Him, to have my identity in Him. Not my identity, not my identity in what I do or my achievements or my success, but my identity in Christ. I had a really, uh, I had a really rough week. I don't know how many people were here last week. And we, we ask people to fast, complaining. And that's the last time I preached that message. <laughs> I had two cars break. Well, first Monday morning, I locked my keys in my car while running. That was the first time I'd ever done that. I had two trucks break down on me. Mine was broken, so I borrowed John Brogan's and broke it, too. And uh, my computer broke as well. Uh, th there was just a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to complain this week. And I felt like I had failed. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just wasn't doing good on my fast. I had eaten a hamburger of complaint. <laughs> and, uh, and the week started to move on. And 
I knew I was getting closer and closer to Sunday. I had nothing. It was Friday, and I had nothing. And then it was Saturday, and I had nothing. And then it was Saturday night, and I had nothing. And literally on Friday, I, 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 I was panicked. It's been a really long time since I've stood here, stood up here and preached, and uh, <laughs> and not had anything until Saturday night. And I was so worked up. There was so much complaint inside of me, saying, "This isn't the way it should be. It shouldn't be this way." You know, it's been a long time since this, that, and the other. You know, I should have had something together. And I started to get really, I, I literally kind of like panicked. And then, I don't know if you guys do this, but I started making up. It's going to be terrible. That's what's going to be the worst part about this, is that Sunday morning is going to be a terrible time together. And I started to seize up. And what I found is I started to explore that. Because I started to, to dig behind my frustrations and my fears. Why am I so frustrated right now? Why am I so scared? And what I started to realize is that I was supposed to preach on a passage about having my identity found in Christ. And I started to realize that the reason that I was so scared and so frustrated is because I have my identity in being a pastor and preacher here at Radiant Church. It's on my resume. It might be the only thing on my resume. But it's on my resume. And I started to freak out because I realized there's so much identity found in performing well. So much identity found in um, being uh, successful in leading this church. I started to realize that, man, I'm supposed to preach on this passage about being found in Him. And in my identity is really found in what I do. And I started to think about my spiritual resume and the anxiety and fear that results from it. And the truth is for me, as I read this passage over and over again, is that my resume looks better than ever. And yet I was convicted because I don't know that I have passion for Jesus like this passage talks about passion for Jesus. I would rather have a resume than a reference. I would rather have uh, a righteousness that comes from myself based on my works than to have a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. What is it for you? What is it that you find your identity in? What are you found in? If you search your fears and your disappointments, you'll probably find some things that are on your resume. I know some people who love to put that I'm punctual on their resume. I'm on time. And when they're late, it's like the end of the world. Because they find identity in being on time. This is who I am. Professional. Do you find your identity in your family? And so when things seem to fall apart inside your family, 
<clears throat> the biggest evil. Because you're not found in him, you're found in family, that's your identity. Students here with good grades, it's like they get a bad grade, it's the end of the world. Because their identity is wrapped up in being a good student. That's who I am. An athlete, this always goes on for athletes who uh, maybe don't start and now have to ride the pine. have to sit out. It's like my identity was wrapped up in being an athlete. Paul was found in him. His identity wasn't in his resume. And he had a really, really impressive resume. And he was saying, I, I, I'm trading it in. I don't want my identity to be wrapped up in those things. I want to be found in him. I want my identity to be in Christ. The other, uh, the surpassing greatness of God, the sun that rose, was knowing Jesus the knowledge of Christ. This is very different than knowing about Jesus. I know about a lot of people, even people who lived centuries ago. I know about Abraham Lincoln. I know about Brad Pitt. I know about a bunch of people. I know personally very few people. And Paul's saying this is about knowing Jesus, not knowing about him. But knowing him. Does, did these passages freak anybody else out? You know the one with, that, that when Jesus says that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter my rest? Depart from me? I, I didn't know you. And he says, wait a second. Didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? And he says, depart from me. I didn't know you. Why doesn't that bother us? I like read that passage and I always think it's for somebody else. I know you know about Jesus, but do you know Jesus personally? Do you actually know him? Not just about him. Do you know him? The third thing that... Uh, Paul says it's like one of these gains. So he counted all these things a loss and he gained some things. And one of the things that he gained when he cashed in his resume was fellowship with Christ. <clears throat> I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. I want fellowship with Christ. A religious person would never say this. A religious person would never say what Paul just said. Because for the religious person, Jesus Christ is a means to an end. And for Paul, Jesus Christ is the end. I want to know you. I want to know you uh, in, 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 this, in power, and I want to know you in pain. I want to know you personally. I want to know about this power, your resurrection. I want to know about the pain of your suffering. I want you. I want to be with you, Jesus. 
I want fellowship with you. In the stuff that I like and in the stuff that I don't like, I want you. Religious people, they don't do this. Jesus is some sort of pinata where if I do this, then he drops this. We're constantly looking at, at Jesus and religion as a means to an end. And Paul's saying, no, this is the end. This is the goal for me. Jesus. This is the one reference. This is what I'm trading my resume in for. I don't know if you guys can hear it, see it. We've read it a few times, but there's an incredible amount of angst in this passage. Oh, I got to know it. It's like, uh, all of it, crap, I got to know him. I have got to know him. My resume is in the way. At this point, it's not even Paul's problems that are in the way. It's his righteousness that's in the way. His resume is in the way of knowing Jesus. And he's like, I count these things a loss for the sake of knowing him. Do you hear, when you read this, the longing for Jesus, the yearning for him, the frustration, the plea for more, the discontent, there's a violence in Paul's voice. I gotta get rid of this stuff. I have got to know him. This is Paul we're talking about here. He wrote like half your New Testament. Oh no, 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 no. I've got to know him. There's more. I'm frustrated. There's longing. There's desire. There's yearning. I've got to have this. It's not just Paul, there's other people who contributed to Scripture that felt this way, had these longings, these desires, this angst-filled yearning for Jesus, this plea inside of them for more. David, King David, writes in the Psalms, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love, listen again, listen to how bold this gets. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. Listen to the longing. Listen to the desire. Listen to the passion to know God. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. He writes in, in, in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul comes for you. When we, when, we, when we see that, we see some cute, you know, mug in a Christian bookstore. This beautiful kind of natural landscape. 
with this deer. You know, it just looks like it's a thirsting at all. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. In Psalm 27, he writes, All I want to do is be at your house all the time. All I want to do is be at your house, in your house, all the time. All the days of my life. This is all I want. Can you hear the angst, the longing? I've got to know God. And it wasn't just David. David, it was Moses. I have to see your face. Show me your face, God. What else will distinguish us from the peoples of the earth? You've got to come with your presence. Holy discontent, angst, frustration, longing. And it's not just uh, people in the Bible. Christians throughout history have felt this way too. Listen to Augustine. How sweet all at once it, it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. You drove them from me. You are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place. You who are sweeter than all pleasure. You outshine all light, yet are hidden deeper than any secret in our hearts. You who surpass all honor, though not in the eyes of men who see all honor in themselves. O Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, my salvation. It's not just men and women through the Bible that felt this way. It's Christians throughout history. Turn with me, if you will, real quick to Romans chapter 8. We'll start in verse 19. Because the men and women of Scripture were groaning. Christians throughout history were yearning and groaning. And Romans 8 tells us that actually all of creation is groaning. Start in verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present moment. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. It's not just men and women in Scripture who are longing, who have this yearning, who have this angst inside of them to know Jesus. It's Christians in history like Augustine and there's many others. This deep longing inside of them, yearning, angst, frustration. Ah, I've got to have more of God. It's creation itself. It's all groaning. And the question that I wanted to ask you today is why aren't we? Why aren't we? Why are we so easily satisfied? Why is it enough to come to church and hear a sermon? Why is it enough that the 49ers are 5 and 1? Why are you so easily satisfied? Why doesn't your soul yearn? I read this and I'm like, what's wrong with my affections? Do they know a different God? 
if I do. What do they see? What do they know that he would cash in his resume for one reference, one thing that I would know Christ? I would know him personally. I would even know the pain of what it's like to have fellowship with him. I would know the power of what it's like to be with him. desire 
that you would put in us, Holy Spirit, an angst, a longing for Jesus, a yearning. And that we as Jesus followers wouldn't stop. And we would press into knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. Bye.